Thank you for joining us on The Slumber, the podcast where you can find all things The Awakening. In our radio talk show, we will explore Kate Chopin's revolutionary novel that challenged societal standards for women during the late 19th century. In our episodes, we will host special guests from the novel to join our panel and share their experiences. Stay tuned, and we'll join our hosts momentarily. This episode was brought to you by Pontier Cigars. Cigars with such a delightful mahogany spice and a sweet honey flavor, you won't even realize your wife is having an affair. Use code SLUMBER20 for 20% off your next purchase. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Slumber, a podcast about Kate Chopin's book, The Awakening. Um, Today, we have with us Lisa, Cole, Jordan. Hey. And I am one of your hosts, Laura Actall. This episode, we'll be discussing some AP literature student tips and tricks that you can use on the exam for this book. Um, So first, I really wanted to start off by giving you a general synopsis of how the book has been used previously on the exam. It's showed up 13 times in the past. Um, It's a pretty common book to show up on the exam, and usually it's an analysis of some of the themes and deeper meanings that the book goes into. So do you guys want to, like, start off by discussing some of those themes that you analyzed throughout the book? Yeah, Um, I think... I'll go in with a quick little summary. So um, The Awakening starts uh, with Edna Pontier. And um, she's married to Leonce Pontier, and it kind of goes through her struggles of um, the societal pressures of being a married woman and all that entails, um, such as taking care of her children and taking care of the house and just how she should act in front of people. And she goes through an awakening um, as we go in deeper, and this book is just about her journey. So you could say, you could already say, you could go ahead and say that an awakening was a theme in its own, like an independence or a, or like a yearning for expression, I think is a pretty, very prominent theme throughout the novel, at least from Edna's point of view. She's very, she wants to express herself and we see that throughout the book a lot. Yeah, I feel like one of the main themes that you see throughout the book is Edna's discovering a way to be able to express herself because um, the book is set place during the Victorian era and there are a lot of barriers set in place for women especially when it comes to areas of self-expression and you really see her go through this journey of being able to learn how to express all of these repressed internal emotions that she has. I think one of the best examples is that um, when she goes and she meets the Creole woman on the Grand Isle, um, you know, because they really, these women are so open about their emotions and they speak so freely. And initially, this is a culture shock for Edna. But later on, she finds it very liberating that they are so open about their feelings And then you really see her begin to express herself more openly throughout the book. And that's like the first, um, the initial spark 
of yes, her articulating you, you herself. You would say that's like a defining moment of, or a very like, I don't know, the aha moment of that book is, would you say it's that moment when she realizes that, hey, um, yeah, I, I think one to- of the most exactly. important um, things uh, to know about this book is that there are really um, not necessarily complex characters, but characters that kind of show us uh, deeper things about Edna herself, like through conversations. Um, she had a conversation with um, her friend named Madame Ricignoli or, or something, <laughs> where um, she was talking about things and then they started talking about more embarrassing things about like relationships and like love. And she got really embarrassed to where um, she felt like you can really talk about that stuff out loud. But I think like that shows later in the book when she kind of just talks about whatever and does whatever and she doesn't really care about what other people think. I I think it's worth noting that I think a lot of this is we don't nowadays I don't think we take into account how just absurd that that all sounds now I think that a lot of themes that come out in this book are like I think the fact that it was written when it was is just so it was it's definitely like a so what do you guys think were some of the like important symbols in this book um the ocean ocean is huge the ocean definitely i feel like that's one to look out for also birds that was another one because um in the beginning you hear like about these chopin is talking about these caged birds and it's really a symbol of edna being entrapped within like the societal standards that victorian women were held to yeah. 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 Oh, I feel- cool. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. I like earlier. Um, we were talking about um, Edna and like she and like it's crazy to think about like all the stuff that she went through. Like it just seems like normal to us. She was just really ahead of our of, of her time, really, and with finding herself, discovering herself with her relationships or what she likes to do to like like the. Um, to to the to the more personal kind of stuff with other people. Yeah, I think another um really uh, this was more of a uh, like a low key symbol, but um I noticed there was a lot of materialistic uh things, uh such as their mentions of like how big their house is and um like just the lug. Not the luxurious things, but they're obviously like upper mid class, and um, she talks a lot about that and all of her surroundings. So, would you say that Chopin makes an emphasis on the character surroundings because, like, they have such a high living standard, of course, but you see throughout the novel that, like, Edna is pretty. I mean. She seems pretty miserable to me, at least in her current living situation. Like, do you think that there's any emphasis on that? No, I think so. I think it's like, despite the fact that she has um, physically everything she could ever want, 
she is still unhappy. And um, it just shows how much this isn't a surface level issue. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a very common thing is like a yearning for something more, something deeper with meaning. Right. Yeah, like you can fill your house with the most lavish things and be the most hip woman on the street corner, but like at the end of the day, <laughs> we always want someone to love us and we always wanna wanna express ourselves like how we really feel and we don't wanna like have to put on an act for everybody else and we like sometimes like these material things that we have don't just they don't quite work and it's we need more so Chopin talks a lot about um houses throughout this novel of course you have the cottage on the grand isle you have the big house in New Orleans, and you also have Edna's Pigeon House. Um, what significance do you think that the houses hold um, in Edna's story? Well, we have the house. We have that one house that's that first house with the, um, on the Grand Isle that's like they share with her husband. And I think, I think that all the house could represent its own sort of meaning revolving around Edna and her own relationship with her husband or like with herself. We start, we start with book with that, that vacation house that kind of, I think in like a way, I guess you could say it represents a retreat into like you're isolating yourself or maybe you're wearing away from your palms, but also it's like you're close to the ocean, which that's also a reoccurring theme. However, I also think that in the end she buys a new house right and she buys it by herself and she's saved up money doesn't tell her husband i think that is a a good symbol and a good and that to me represents independence and her like conquest or or her like her conquest for independence and so i think they all represent her own i think they could represent like her attitude throughout the story in different parts yeah i I definitely agree um, I think that houses kind of serve as like phases of um, how she perceives like the world because um, she starts or she mentions that she starts uh, questioning and like becoming really like unhappy with her current life uh, during that summer or last summer with Robert when they were in the cottages. So I think that kind of re- represents like uh, Jordan said, like a retreat from her life and then that's when she kind of realizes that this isn't necessarily the life that she wants and then I think the main house that she lives in that's like decent size with her husband and her children represent represents her cage or her old life or like this life that's not really her when she kind of talked about this is more me that I don't I have or she was like now I have one servant instead of like 10 servants or whatever she said near the end. I think that's a good indicator of like what that really means or what that house really means of like her old life. Yeah. It just represents everything that she wants to kind of get away from. And then the new pigeon house, even though it's a lot smaller and she only has one servant, it shows like a beginning for her to let those things go. Yeah. I feel like, Throughout the novel, there's a reoccurring theme of Edna having a rejection of, like, materialism and, you know, wanting to 
like a rejection of her husband's wealth in a way is almost yeah, like a rejection of her husband in an indirect sense. I, I yeah. think that's I think that's important in its own because like near the end of the book or like throughout she's kind of straying near or like farther away from this whole materialistic like whole idea of having things. And I think when it comes down to it, like that house is just like just a really a more another what I said, another indicator of like this is not her anymore. So she's moving on. Well, I mean, which is another like awakening, you could say, I guess. I feel like at the end, that last house that she gets for herself, I don't even feel comfortable calling it a house. I feel like that's the first home that Edna's ever had. Like within yeah, the book. That's a good point. That 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 yeah. is her home. I feel like that's the only place where she can truly be able to be herself and be able to express herself and you know dive deep into her self-identity yeah can we talk about can we talk about robert or the other guys i feel like we oh we yeah touched it on his name we need to talk about and his relationship i think that's yes. pretty important <laughs> that is a very important turning point within this book yes i think each of the uh characters the boys that she gets involved with or is involved with um represents something like very different like leon represents like stability um financial security and just like um everything what you would expect from a loving husband and then uh, he's like completely opposite from just for some just for some background information uh robert is edna's first husband no. Ooh. Oh, I'm sorry, Leon. <laughs> okay. Robert is Robert is Edna's quote unquote like little side relationship that she has going on. Yeah. Yes. In the beginning, um, he's like a family friend, but then they then they like get closer as the book goes on. Yes, and they're really similar in like age. Um. <laughs> Okay, so we kind of talked about this where we thought Arabin was... I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. Please correct me if I'm wrong. There might have been a C in there somewhere. Um, I don't want to butcher his name for the whole podcast. But, okay, for now, let's just say Arabin. Uh, We talked about how he kind of represents, like, mystery and just, like, um, he's a lot more... Um, was Arabin Arabin was kind of young right yeah yeah Yeah. so Arabin I think you have you've got Edna who's super Edna who's she's approaching her 30s so yeah she's like she's she's not a comfortable space to be dating or pursuing someone like Arabin which later doesn't really they don't really pursue each other either way um, I think the her current husband represents this theme of consistency However, boring maybe you could throw that well, word out there. Well, also if you they want. have a ten-year age gap, which I think is also important. True, weird. Even, yeah. Like <laughs> as common as that might have been back then, ten years is still a lot, and I think that's it uh, adds to their differences. I feel which like yeah, they're definitely in different places in life, and definitely. I think that's one of the main reasons why they have such a struggling relationship is because. Edna's really trying to go through this self-discovery and this journey. And I feel like at this point, 
Leon's just wants to come home, see his kids, go to work, you know, go talk to his friends at the club and come yeah. back home. Like he just wants consistency and normalcy. Or there's this there's a point there's a part in the book where I just I don't know if I can find it right now, but he basically um Mr. Um, the, the husband and the, a doctor have a conversation yes. about when Edna starts to, you know, kind of go a little quote unquote off the rails oh, yeah. and more like she, so basically he's like, so what's up with like, what do I need to do? She's like boasting all about women's rights and eternal rights. Like that's so weird. Right. Or like, basically he's just like, he needs, he's just so confused, but he's just like, I think he just wasn't really ready for, to accept think, that is just no yes i yeah. think he wanted a I, I think he wanted the doctor to just like diagnose her in like a medical way to explain all the crazy that she wasn't that this wasn't really her that there was like an excuse for why she was being like off the rails and that it could be fixed i think that's what he was looking for that he would get his um like regular wife back yeah yeah i also feel like it was a he was he had an issue with it because leon's with what little we like know about him throughout the novel he's you can tell that he is very concerned with like social appearances and what people think about him yeah yeah definitely because even when um she said that she was moving out he obviously was outraged and he didn't want that to happen but his immediate action was to just like pretend or put the house under construction for some type of re- renovation to make it seem like that was the reason why she wasn't staying at the house. And it was all for just appearances. Well, I mean, do you think that? Oh, sorry, Cole, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that. I mean, uh, Leon's kind of just, I mean, with the doctor and like, going and trying and like we're like maybe like looking for this like diagnosis so he can like in a way like control his wife or get his old wife back he's he he really is like we said before he's that representation of like a cage on her but like he's the huge human embodiment of the social construct time and in a way, because, oh, I, like, I like that. Because in a way, because this entire book is like about the awakening and about like like women's empowerment and Edna finding herself, it, like Leon's could like represent the antagonist of the book because he's going against everything. That if the there of, like if do. there is an antagonist, it would like this idea like. It wouldn't be like a person; it'd be like an idea, and Leon's is that idea. Yes, of- yes, he's the human embodiment that. of that idea of yes. like what Edna doesn't want to be, which is this like put on a pedestal. So kind of, to actually, yeah. I think it would be more of um, Madame. Uh, I forgot her name. Her friend, because she Adele? compares her Mademoiselle, to Adele. Yes, Adele. Adele. Let's call yes. her Adele. Adele, um, because she is like that very submissive wife that does like everything you're supposed to and she um really like admires her for a lot of things but that is the one thing where she's like i can't understand that i mean and i think that's the embodiment of like 
what she doesn't want to be. Yeah, I mean, you can tell throughout the book, Adele idolizes her children. And I could even say that she worships her husband. I mean, like, her whole life is centered around taking care of her family and doing housework and, you know, keeping up with that submissive lifestyle that you see very commonly within, like, Victorian society. And I feel like the person who really triggers Edna's awakening and opens her eyes to this, the antithesis, I would say, of Leon's. If Leon's is the cage, then I feel like Mademoiselle Reese is definitely the key that unlocks Edna from that cage. Yes, yes I agree. Yeah, so I point. feel like we need to. I feel like we can't talk about this book without talking about Mademoiselle Rion. No, she definitely influenced her a lot um, emotionally. I think she was kind of that constant reminder of uh, for Edna to not fall back into anything because during her like lowest points, even though Robert was the one that like allowed her to <laughs> kind of start the awakening, I think. Um, Mademoiselle Rez was uh, constantly there in her deepest moments to like make her feel something and remind her that that is what's most important to her that she feels something I think that the importance of this is like the I feel like the introduction of Mademoiselle Rez into Edna's life is really when the story starts to pick up because mm-hmm. Edna I mean, she's always been surrounded by women who've never questioned the authority or, like, the status quo of society. And I feel like Mademoiselle Reyes is, like, the first real example that you see of that. I mean, she's she's unpopular. She doesn't have any kids. She's not married. I mean, she's very distant and um, she rejects the status quo very openly. And I feel like that's what Edna desires like I feel like Mademoiselle Reyes is Edna's guide on her journey mm-hmm. um, for some background information Mademoiselle Reyes is a pianist and she I don't remember like what exactly her age was but she is like referred to as someone that she's older, older. Yeah. yes and she does not have children she's not married and she doesn't like um, being accompanied like she doesn't like being around people at all and she rarely plays for anyone but because she's an artist I think she relates or Edna can relate to her a lot and like Laura said um I definitely think that uh Edna looks up to her and uses her as a guide I also feel like she brings the concept of like music into Edna's life which that's another important theme that you see throughout the book is um Edna discovering not only being able to verbally express herself but also through different mediums or maybe maybe artistically like expressing herself because I think her actually writing and her or her sketches was like a pretty big point like when she started like selling sketches near the end where she I think that was kind of like her openly expressing like at that point she was openly expressing herself just not through like like that was just another way of saying that she's openly expressing herself by like selling art but then like I think her seeing that um, Mademoiselle was able to 
just provoked so much emotion in her songs and pianos that she would that, like that she made herself. I think that also is important influence on her that like this art of just like emotion, emotional expression is just so raw and is over. And it's, it was more intimate than, or it felt like that. Yeah. Also, in addition to that, like um, you can tell that Edna seriously uh, views her art as like a career, like as something that, because she often mentioned that she doesn't like feel like working together. I mean, working today or that day. And, mm. um, and she's referring to her sketches and yeah, she talks about selling her art and I'm sure at like for that time, a woman like working and, but also like, especially just like being an artist is probably not looked at it's, well. It's different. Yeah. Like from other yeah. people's point of view, they don't really, besides like her father, um, more like from her husband's view, like her art is just like a hobby, but to her, it's mm-hmm. like something more serious. And in Mad- Mademoiselle Rez, so that's like her career. Like that's what she does. So. Um. I mean, I feel like the best way that we could possibly wrap up this episode. I know it's been a very eventful <sighs> one would be to discuss the ending of the novel. I feel like that is yes. the most yes. iconic important. and important. I've part. got, I've got a pretty, I've got a, I've got a, t- I've got a take. Yeah. On go it. for it. Jordan. Yeah. If you want to hear it. So basically, so in the, so basically we're caught this theme of the ocean throughout the whole novel. This theme is like, she, she swims in the ocean and she's embracing herself in the ocean. Like we were taught in the very beginning, it was like, I used to be afraid of swimming, but now I've, I realized I can do it by myself with that's just kind of her first real awakening that she's able to fully swim or like she's able to freely express herself in the water, which is that's its own metaphor. So basically as we want, well, she keeps swimming. Like that's like a thing. And like the ocean is like calling her. That's like her own metaphorical herself kind of, or like her own relationship, her own status. Like this ocean like symbolizes like a part of her. So basically in the end, spoiler alert edna drowns herself she swims and she she swims so far out she drowns herself and i think this ending is honestly it makes sense because she swims far out in the ocean the ocean at the premise why she killed herself was she finally had robert she finally had everything she wanted like a male that listened to her and was engaging and was interesting and and fun and so after and then he was like i'm i love you but i have to go and so that triggered all these emotions i think and edna realized that she can no longer be a mother she can no longer be a husband or she's just been totally just she's she's so far out she's so deeply rooted in this idea of having like a relationship or like of this robert idea she's so self-indulged she that ends that's what ends up killing her like the ocean is like it drowns her she's so like she's trying to push the waters and put her deep like to do- toes a little deeper in every time she like goes out or like meets robert or, like finally tells her he loves him like she's slowly putting her toes in and at the point where she's like i love you and we need to be a relationship she's realized that she's abandoned all of her life and so she's become so self-indulged she dies that's some wow. that's an interesting take it is. I kind of thought yeah, the opposite way. Um, but can I talk about something real fast? I think yeah. the ocean, like the mention of the ocean in the beginning when she like went in by herself, but she got really scared and that like she went back. I saw that as like foreshadowing because um, we like know she can't swim, but she still like kind of tries a little bit and she kind of like 
pushes like that fear and she found it like really exhilarating and I think it was just a foreshadow that she would come back to it whenever she just felt like I, um, I feel like it was time so in short what do you think why do you think that me that ending means I'll give you like okay, 20 seconds so okay so <laughs> I'll talk fast so Laura can talk too but okay I think that that was her just like saying goodbye like I think that she doesn't care that she's self-indulgent and that she is quote-unquote like letting go of her husband and her children I think that that point whenever Robert said goodbye to me I see that as she saw that there was no point like hey so in her mind Robert is like kind of the one thing that makes her happy and that really like awakened her and the fact that Robert said goodbye I think was her just like letting go of everything because she's like well if I can't have the one thing that makes me happy then why 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 live why bother yeah yeah and then her walking into the water is just her last like exhilaration and she does feel fear but just just from the way it ended I don't think that she was afraid or that um she was like trying to not to drown like it was definitely intentional and yeah I feel like I mean I took a little bit from both like Jordan and Lisa's interpretation like definitely I think the ocean in this book is a representation it's a symbol of freedom and escape especially for Edna and I feel like her dipping her toes into the water and like slowly but surely going deeper and deeper is Edna gathering more freedom and finally being able to escape little by little from that social construct that we continue to see Choplin um, revert back to. And, you know, when I think of water, I I found the ending of the book very comforting in a way, which I know is weird, but because I associate water, like a lot of the times in society, we think of it as like a cleaning or like a rebirth of a sort, like especially with baptisms, and I feel like Edna's drowning is like her form of rebirth in a way, because yeah, yeah like she, she finally escapes. It's like <laughs> yes, even her though from her old life, yeah, exactly. Like even though she dies, it, it's she is now free. Like she has reached the ultimate like sense of freedom. And freedom, like escapism yeah. from society that she could possibly reach. And I feel like that's in a lot of ways, both like it's, it's, it's like a form of strength, but then it's also kind of like gory in a way. Cause like, cause for her to be able to finally escape, she has to kill herself. Yeah. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. Like, besides the fact that suicide yeah. is not a good thing, no. um, for Edna, it was probably, like, her biggest sign of strength. Yeah, because, like, these societal standards, uh, this book shows, like, how strongly they can, ha- like, like how strong of a grasp that these ideas can have on someone. And, and she had to be so strong, and she had to do something so drastic as to make to to let herself drown to finally to to be set free from that from that grasp 
Yeah, that was... I think that's a good way to like yep. wrap to end up. this episode. Yes, to end this Thank episode. you so much for listening to our <laughs> podcast. Unfortunately, yeah. Thank you for our thank sponsors. you again to our sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, again, use code yep. Slumber twenty for twenty percent off your next purchase of Pontier cigars. Again, cigars with such yeah. a delightful mahogany spice and a sweet honey flavor, you won't even realize that your wife is having an affair. Alrighty guys, we will catch you on the <laughs> next episode of The Slumber. Thank yes, you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>